All right. Well, what a great morning. If we can, I'm not even going to tell you to take your seats. Do what you want. You do it anyway. <laughs> it's great to be here this morning. It's great to be able to have an opportunity to share God's word with you. What an amazing thing to be able to serve in the midst of a calamity. And I was saying this morning, we were praying upstairs before the meeting and Going back as far, I guess, as Jeremy's visit in the spring, um, you know, we were really challenged to seek God on how we were going to be able to use our building to serve our community, and just praying into that, you know, it was like, what innovative ways can we do that? And, and then about three weeks ago, um, we because of need, we, we haven't had in place in our building for quite some time, well, not since we moved in here, we haven't had in place a building use policy. And so one day, feeling that we had to have a building use policy, Trevor and I sat down and we took our old building policy from way back at Brunswick Street, we dusted that off and we created a new one, updated it, and put that building use policy in place and continuing to pray that God would give us a way to be able to start using our building for the community, to serve the community, and then this week's happened. And look at, it's like, in the midst of a disaster, we have an opportunity to be able to serve and help those around us. What a blessing it is. And, you know, God moves in ways that we sometimes don't even anticipate, can't even expect. And I just feel to say as well, you know, just as we didn't anticipate this and an opportunity, this is a taster for the way that God is going to continue to do things for us and with us and through us. And I just feel like, you know, just as we have a fairly large financial need with respect to our building and our renovations and, and, and all of that, we're praying for God to provide, of course, but we're also, and I think what's really bolstered my faith this week is to understand that this is, just as he kind of did things, did things this week in an unexpected way, he's going to do the same kind of thing in provision for our building, and I can even say, I think he's going to do the same type of thing in your life, whatever your need is, you see, because Jesus loves you. I mean, it's not just a cliche on a coffee cup. He really does. He loves you, and he loves me. He loves us. He loves our city. He loves our province. He loves our nation, and he's moving, and he's doing great things. You heard Kale this morning. It's wonderful to hear. And fa Father is so out there for us. His heart is for us. And a few weeks ago, I just had this impression to, I, I, was just, I was just super burdened for our 20s and 30s. And so if you're in the, well, even sub-20s, if you're, if you're under 35 this morning, I just feel like there's, there's a laser on your life this morning. 
there's a laser focus of the Holy Spirit on your life. So if you're under 35, that's a lot of people. Now, if you're over 35, you're not off the hook, <laughs> right? Because I still think, obviously, that God wants to speak to us. But I just feel like the burden of Jesus to communicate his passion for you who are under 35. And this morning, I just want to, oh, I left my clicker down there, Joe. Can you grab it next to my water bottle? And maybe my water bottle, too. He's got to take care of me. He does this all the time. Someone's got to help the old e man. Every time, every time we go somewhere, he's always picking up after me. It's true. We, it doesn't matter where we end up going. What's that? Nothing. Yep. could be true. <laughs> anyway, I was reflecting on the fact that uh, 41 years ago this past summer, uh, when I was 22, entering my third year of university, um, Jesus came into my life. He called me to himself. And for 41 years, I've walked with Jesus and he's revolutionized my life. So guys, if you're under 35 here, like, there's no better way to go. Like, Jesus is calling you to himself, and he has a plan, and he has a purpose, and he's been, for some of you, I know who you are, he's been gnawing at the ankle of your leg for a long time. And his passion is for you. And he is looking for you. Now, when I say he's looking for you, he's not looking for you in judgment. He's looking for you with love and hope and mercy and grace and peace and joy. He is looking for you because he's got plans and purposes for you to live out, no matter what he's called you to do. Some of you are called into various, you know, professions. He has his hand on your life. And he's calling you now. He's not waiting until you're 35. He's calling you now. His, he wants to prepare you now. He wants to set in place and in motion in your life a plan and a purpose for you. And to give you faith for that. And so this morning we're going to take a look at Jesus. And Jesus, this, this story is so amazing. And it's one that sometimes, you know, I hear it. And, I, and a lot of people hear this story about Jesus in this circumstance that we're going to talk about this morning. And I don't think, I don't think oftentimes we, we go as far with this story as the story might intend. But this morning I want to talk about, and I'm, I'm going to try to be brief because I just feel like we need to respond to what Jesus is calling us to. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 15. And we're going to, it's on the screen. And we're going to talk this morning, I'm going to share with you the story of Jesus at the Passover coming to Jerusalem and 
the story of Jesus. It's traditionally known as Jesus clearing out the temple. How many of you understand and you've heard that story before? Jesus goes in, flips the tables. We're going to talk about that one this morning. And there's two accounts that I'm going to share with you briefly. One is from Mark. One is from John. They're different. One happens, and many theologians and people are a lot smarter than me, they, they would say that this happened once, and it's recorded in two different ways in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it's recorded in a different way in John. And then there's a lot of people a lot smarter than me say, no, it happened twice. I'm kind of in that camp. I kind of think it did happen twice, but anyway, that's okay. Regardless, we don't want to get caught in those weeds. But here's the story. In Mark, it says this. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people, buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. And he said to them, The scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. And when he said that, everybody around them, around him at that point would have known that he's referring to Isaiah. And they would have known, like, whoa, Jesus, do you realize what you're saying? You're equating yourself with God because in Isaiah, hundreds of years previous, in chapter 56, it says this, I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and will fill them with joy in the house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Everybody, they, that would have got their attention. And then verse 18 says, And when the leading priests and teachers of the religious law heard what Jesus had done, and they began, like when they heard what he had done, they didn't just see it, they heard it. There was noise associated with this. He cleared it out. They began planning how to kill him. But they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching. And not long after that, he indeed went to the cross. That's the account that happens in Mark. In John chapter 2, this happens earlier. It says, it was nearly time for the Jewish Passover. It was Passover. Jesus, as we would gather, was in Jerusalem often for the Passover throughout his life. And in the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out the sheep and the cattle, scattered the money changers, coins on the floor, turned over the tables. Chaos. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop making my, turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures Passion for God's house will consume me. And that verse that they remembered was Psalm 69, 9. Passion for your house has consumed me, and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. 
But when the Jewish then the Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. Now, of course, they didn't understand. They said, what? what? You, this temple took 46 years to build. And commentators recognize that this is why they think there were two instances, because they've actually calculated the date and the time it took to build the temple. And in accordance with Jesus' life and his ministry, it kind of lines up with the fact that this happened earlier in his ministry, while the second instance that I read in Mark 11 actually happened closer to his death. So it's quite, I think, probable that he did this twice. When Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, he was predicting, he was prophesying a different kind of upgrade, a spiritual upgrade. Everybody gets focused on the fact that, you know, you, you hear this story, and everybody gets focus, focused on the fact, well, Jesus, you know, he got angry. It was righteous anger, and sometimes we lose, miss the point. But Jesus here was talking about a different kind of upgrade. He says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. He's prophesying something else. He's talking about something different. He's basically referring to a body instead of a building. In fact, he says, you know, destroy this temple. He was talking about himself. And a few weeks ago, Joe spoke, and who did he say Jesus was? He is our temple. He's the temple. He's the sacrifice. He's the one that gave himself for us. But Jesus is talking about a body here. And he's saying that his body, and we know that the scriptures also refer to the church as being his body, we are his body. And he's prophesying that his body is going to be a place of prayer for all nations. You see, he's putting it in us. Kids, he's putting it in you this morning. He's putting it in you, this desire to be something different, this desire to be something more, this Thing he's put in your life is a desire for himself. He's putting in your life something that nothing else can give. And to go further, he's not just saying that it's going to be a place of prayer for all nations, but he's building a people for and in all nations. We've got many nations here in this room this morning represented. So automatically, yes, he's right. That prophetic picture that Jesus is talking about has, been, has come true. It's here. It's also out there. It's also in that apartment building. It's also all around us. It's downtown. Those nations, sometimes we think of the nations as simply those areas of the world that have different flags. But folks, the nations that Jesus is talking about are the nations, the different people groups that we have in our culture. It, we have different nations that are represented all through our nation that are not just determined by the country they've come from, but by the various cultural designations that they are. You follow me? You tracking with this? And we are part of the fulfillment of that prophecy. 
That's why the Holy Spirit is stirring us to pray. We, we just, like, we, we've launched this 40 days of prayer. And yeah, you know what? It's inconvenient. We've launched this 40 days of prayer because he's stirring us to pray. This has been something we've desired for quite some time. It wasn't if we would do this, it's the when. And yeah, we have our practical challenges with calendars and so on. We said, you know what? This is the time. Folks, Jesus is stirring his people to pray. He's stirring you to pray. He's stirring you to pray. He's stirring you to soften your hearts towards others. And he's giving you an unsettledness. Like, I, I am unsettled. He's putting an unsettledness in your life. And that unsettledness comes from the Holy Spirit because he's stirring you. And I would even go so far as to say that the Holy Spirit is actually, as it were, putting salt on your lips to be thirsty. Because nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else will give you the purpose and meaning in life that Jesus Christ can by his Spirit. Nothing else. In fact, I pray that your lips are, are thirsty. In fact, I've been praying that for the past three weeks. God, would you make our lips thirsty as a people, thirsty for you in this dry and weary land where there is no water. This Babylon culture that we live in, would you give us a thirst and a hunger for you? And that includes everybody. In fact, it's like, you guys here in the front row, like you guys, all you ones that are in school still, like he's putting that thirst in you because... He wants you to know that there's nothing permanent but him. And some of you under 35 or so, you've, you've gone through some difficulties. But he's saying, you know what? I am the one that's going to bring you through the difficulties. And if you haven't been through too many difficulties yet, he says, you know what? You got to know, life happens. And Jesus said, we're going to go through difficult times. Like, I don't understand how people go through life without Jesus. My heart goes out to them. My heart goes out to you. If you don't know Jesus this morning and you don't know him intimately, like my heart for you is that you would come to know him and know how good he is and know how despite your circumstances, anything that's going on in your life, he is for you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And no doubt, Jesus has Zechariah chapter 8 in mind when he is saying these things. And Zechariah chapter 8 is all about the restoration. The restoration of Jerusalem. But it's a prophetic picture, not just for what would happen shortly thereafter, but it's a, it's a preparation and a prophetic word for us today. And Jesus, you know, he's got this passion for his church. We sung about it this morning. And it says in chapter 8, it says this, Then another message came to me from the Lord of Heaven's army. The Lord of Heaven's army is our great father. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. My love for Mount Zion, and now I don't have time to unpack it, but you have to take my word for it. Mount Zion, Old Testament, synonymous with the church. Okay? Is passionate and strong. I am consumed with passion for Jerusalem, a.k.a. today, his church. He's consumed with passion for his church, his body, his house. He's consumed with it. He's consumed with passion for you, for you, 
for you. He's consumed with passion. Another translation says it in a way maybe we've heard it before, that he's jealous for you. I like both words. But being consumed with passion is pretty good. I'm glad Jesus is consumed with passion for me and for you. And if you read through chapter 8, which I don't have time to do this morning, it's prophesied that we will be a faithful city. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. This week, we were able to be a city on a hill. Would we be that all the time? But he's, he, Jesus had this in mind, the prophetic picture in Zechariah chapter 8. Jesus, the great king, is making us faithful. He's calling us as a holy mountain to be set apart in our thinking, in our way of life. Not in our politics, folks. I don't really care who you vote for. But he's calling us to be a set-apart people. And he says in Zechariah chapter 8 that his city will be teeming with life for the young and the old. The young and the old. Kids. Older people like me. And you. All of us together. And that his people would be rescued from the four corners of the earth. All nations again. Read through Zechariah chapter 8. If you want to have, if you just want to like stew on that this week, open up Zechariah chapter 8 and spend a couple weeks in it. And just pray that. His church will be a safe home. It says in the scriptures that he is providing safe haven and a family. He's providing fathers and mothers where there have been lots of guides. We're done with that. We don't, you, guys, you don't need influencers in your life. The last thing you need is a TikTok influencer. Like, seriously? Like, the last thing you need, any of us need, doesn't matter how old you are. Like, influencer? There's only one influencer. His name is Jesus, and he moves by his spirit. He's the only influencer I want. Folks, we have to reorient our life in our minds. He's the influencer that I want. I don't want, I don't want some person who's looking for likes and clicks to be, what, what kind of influence, what? Jesus is your influencer. He's the one. He's the one. His church, his people will be a symbol and source of blessing. So that those who don't know, know him, and this is prophesied throughout the scriptures, those who don't know him will come and take our cloak and say, I want to come with you. Will you do me good? I want to come with you because I, I see what God is doing. The, like, why is it you're different? Like, you, you don't seem to, yeah, you have hard times, but you're not rattled by them like me. Like, I need to have my life set on a sure foundation. He's doing that, folks. He's causing people to, to come alongside, we, can I walk with you? Young people, he's causing your friends who are living life without the knowledge of the presence of God and, and he's placed you in their lives. And, and not, I, I'm not putting a guilt trip on you because you know what the, the, the secret here is? Is you asking Jesus 
to make you passionate for him. You start where the bar is. Wherever the bar is in your life, folks, you start there. Because you see, what really is happening is Jesus is flipping the tables in our lives. And what he's doing here in his house and in his temple, because of his passion for you, and because of his deep love for you, he wants to flip the tables that are preventing you from being in, all in for him. His big thing, like he wasn't, Jesus wasn't opposed. Jesus wasn't opposed to the buying and selling of animals. He wasn't opposed to co the collecting of the tax money. He wasn't opposed to that. Now, there were some people ripping people off. He was opposed to that. I'll give you that. He wasn't opposed to any of those things because people were trying to be faithful to the law and they needed to have an animal to bring. But if you had to travel like 150 miles to get to 220 kilometers, if you had to travel that, for showing my age again, metric only came in in grade 11, okay? I'm still struggling. That's 1975, anybody keeping score. But the bottom line is this. They had to travel long distances. Back in the day, back... It, back in the time of, 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 the, of the wealth of Jerusalem and so on, people weren't scattered. They were scattered people, and they had to travel a long ways, and they're like, hey, we saved up our money. We're going to buy a lamb when we get there. They made a way. We'll buy a dove. We can only afford a dove. We're going to buy a dove. And so they get to Jerusalem. The market's there. They buy an animal, and then they could sacrifice the animal, right? You know the story. Well, if you don't know the story... Just go back a number of messages that Joe spoke about that not too long ago. But the thing is, his hang-up, aside from the fact that some people were getting ripped off, they were doing the buying and selling in the temple, in the outer court. Guess who was in the outer court? Jesus was like, my house would be called a house of prayer for all nations. Where were they? They were in the outer court. Who's in the outer court? The Gentiles. Those who weren't Jewish, that's as far as they could go. And Jesus, his passion, because he knows, he, want, he sees and envisions a people for all nations. He's like, you're preventing these people from even getting this far, and you can go in further. He says, get them out of here. And folks, what he's doing with our lives, he's doing the same thing. Because it doesn't just stop there. It's not a historical story. It is, but it's more than that. Folks, he's flipping tables in my life. He's flipping tables in your life. He's coming in and he knows what's best for you. Here's the thing. You, you are together the temple of God. And God's spirit lives amongst us. Paul was quite clear as you see the scripture. He's like, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and the spirit of God lives amongst you? And even to take it further, drill it down further, you as individuals, he's poured out his spirit on you and he's got plans and purposes for you. And in your heart, in your life, he wants to flip some tables. Now, for some of us, that might be, oh my goodness, like, but you start where the bar is lowest, and you say, God, I don't know what that's going to look like. I'm a little afraid of what that's going to be, but I'm okay. 
Start flipping. Take the stuff out. I don't need that in my life, but I, I don't have the strength to do it. Okay, good. You don't have the strength to do it. That's when Jesus comes in and does it for you, you see. Because he changes your affections. When you say to him, God, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not sure how this is going to look. I'm afraid. I'm just young. What do I know? What's it going to look like? What, what, what's going to be the cost at school? What's going to be it like with my friends? Okay, fair enough. He's saying, will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you walk with me? Will you follow me? And if your answer is yes, then you know what? The flipping of the tables isn't so painful. Yeah, he'll call you to make some decisions. Just like he called me to make decisions. And in fact, here I am at 64 years old, he's still calling me to make decisions, to flip tables in my life. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God? And the Spirit of God lives amongst you? God's temple's holy. He's calling us to a different way of life, folks. For what union, Paul says, can there be between God's temple, us, and idols? Ooh. Those things which we think are more important than Jesus. But if we say, Jesus, help me, because I know I got stuff in my life, but the bar is here, and I'm just saying, God, will you do something in my life? Will you bring me into a close relationship with you? And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, I can't say it strongly enough, he will answer your prayer. And he will take you by the hand, and he'll say, you know what? I'm going to walk out this thing with you. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan, but I'm going to walk this out with you because we're the temple of God. And Jesus quotes two Old Testament verses. He says, I will live in them. And guys, he will live in you. He's living in you. If you know Jesus, he lives in you. Jesus says, out of the midst of your belly will flow rivers of living water. He will live in you. He will flow through you and he will walk amongst you, which he does and is doing. He says, I will be your God and you will be my people. Get the worship team to come up. Here's the thing. If no one else, who else can you put your hope in? Can you put your hope in an influencer? Can you put a hope, your hope, in the possibilities for your future and your careers and your relationships? Can you put your hope there? You can put your hope in Jesus and he will come and by his spirit, he will live in you and he will give you the words to say when you need to say them, guys. Like, seriously. This is... This, this is important. His laser is on your life. Why don't we stand? Angela sang it earlier. Jesus is calling you. He's calling you. He's calling you. If you're 5, if you're 10, if you're 15, if you're 20, if you're 25... 
you're 30, 35, on up. He's calling you to himself. He's calling you. There's no one else. So we start with the bar is low, okay? So if you've been listening to me this morning, and you're tracking with me this morning, and you're in that under 35, you're over 35, you can do this too. But if you're under 35, and you're just, you're afraid, that's okay. I'm going to ask you to do something really brave. We're going to, like, I just want us to respect one another this morning. And I never, I'm not a big one, eyes, cl- eyes closed and all, but we're going to close our eyes this morning. So if you're under 35 or over 30, I don't care who you are, just out of respect and just to have a moment here. I just want you to close your eyes and I want to lead you in a prayer. And if, if this prayer is one that you want to pray, I'm going to ask you, you can say it, you can whisper it, you can say it in your mind, I don't care. Jesus doesn't care. And if that's you this morning, I want you just to pray this prayer with me Okay? Guys, he's changing us. So I'm going to pray, and you guys can just pray with me, okay? Lord Jesus, I want to just tell you that I'm afraid. I know that you're good because I've heard about it from my parents. I've heard about it from my grandparents. And I've even had indications that you're good because I can't deny that you do exist. And I know that you died for me. I've yet to really fully commit my life to you. But I know you're calling me to yourself. And so, Lord, I want to give you my life this morning. I want to give you my life. I want you to come in and change my life. I want you to make all things new. I'm afraid. I don't know what to do. My life is, I just feel like there's some people here this morning that you really struggle with anxiety. Like anxiety has been the thing that's been your thing. And Jesus says, you know what? The biggest, the biggest thing to trusting me is to know that I will come in the midst of your anxiety and I will give you confidence. So if you're struggling with anxiety this morning in any part of your life, Jesus says, you know what, I'm going to walk with you through that. He says, I want your heart. So Lord Jesus, this morning, in as much as I know, I want to trust your cross. I want to trust your blood. I want to trust your resurrection. And I'm asking you to change my life. Would you change my way of thinking? Would you change the way that I view the world? That I would see you clearly, that there'd be no one else. Would you release me to worship you in ways that I've never worshipped you before? I want to trust you. I pray... Jesus, come and do it all. That there would be no one else but you. No one else but you. For many of you, he's settling some things here this morning. Moses said, God, if you don't go before us, I might as well pack it in. Guys, God doesn't go before you. What hope do you have? So he goes before you this morning. So Lord, despite all the circumstances and the trouble 
in my confusion, I leave my heart open to you and I ask as you come and do what only you can do, change my heart. And I know it's going to take time and degrees over the next weeks, but that's okay. We want to worship you. I want to change things, but I know that you're the agent of change. You're the influencer I need. I want to listen to your voice. I want to be one of those sheep that know your voice and answer. So come, Lord Jesus. Let's just stay in this moment. Angela's going to lead us in a song. It's a new song. It doesn't matter. We're not going to do all kinds of instruction. We're just going to play it. And it's a song that really demands response. And we're just going to take some time and worship God here this morning. We're not in a rush. Jesus, come. Do what only you can do. Settle some scores this morning, God. I just see a picture of white flags of surrender going off all over the room. You go, you know what? It's my favorite color. The white flag of surrender. Let him move in your life this morning. Give him your life this morning. You can do no wrong.